0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to Dialogue with Dr. D, a podcast that inspires and empowers you to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. Overcome adversity, fear, and feelings of failure as each episode is filled with inspirational experiences featuring professionals who can assist in your efforts. Together, we can help you find joy in your journey while positioning you towards success. Dr. D is a wonder work of personal growth and success moving beyond overwhelming and insurmountable odds to become a global speaker, life coach, and author. Dr. D uses her incredible passion and captivating personal experience to support your move beyond trials, tribulations, and adversities to emotional emancipation. You don't have to do it alone. Join Dr. D today. Move beyond what's been holding you back. And become the new Empowered You.
2: Fighting for what should be basic rights of equality has been and still is a work in progress. We talk about it. We sing about it. We marched, were beaten, and died in our pursuit of it. I'm referring to a political movement and campaign caused by racism, segregation, Jim Crow laws, and socioeconomic inequality from 1954 to 1968. Now, this was to abolish institutional racial segregation, discrimination, and disenfranchisement throughout the US. The question was then, and still is today, have we arrived? The other question is, do we throw in the towel or continue to move forward with determination as demonstrated by the early leaders of the movement? When we think of the civil rights movement, typically our thoughts are on Martin Luther King, Harry T. Moore, Medgar Edwards, Thurgood Marshall. How about W.E.B. Du Bois and Rosa Parks? However, there were other women in the movement that are not often heard of. Our guest today will share some little known facts about women who impacted the movement. Greetings, PFAM and welcome to the dialogue today. Today's dialogue will enhance your knowledge about women in the movement who changed our world for the better. Joining us to talk about this timely topic is Ms. Kathleen Chambers-Steele. Ms. Still was an educator for 25 plus years and started Smart Minds Incorporated, an after-school tutoring service upon retirement. She's now a program director for the National Office of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the founder of Justice for Girls. Justice for Girls is a sex trafficking prevention initiative, very important right now in the world that we live in. She's the author of Smarty Artie, a children's book, and will share with us today, just as I stated, little known facts about three women in the civil rights movement. Those women are Mamie Till Mobley, who was recently in the news, Amelia Boynton Robinson, and Dorothy Height. Welcome, Ms. Steele.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: I am honored to have you today. Let us start, please, by giving a brief synopsis on Mamie Till.
3: Well, Mamie Till Mobley was a wonderful friend of mine, and and I miss her dearly. I met her when my husband was a state senator in Alabama, and she, I mean, she would come visit. She would sit on the bed, and we would talk, and she would She actually spoke to my students and they just absolutely loved it. But I love the fact that Mamie Till told me things that I didn't know, things that you didn't read in the history books. And one of those things, of course, was that Emmett stuttered and that they taught Emmett, you know, if you're getting ready to say something or talk to someone and you get stuck on a word and you can't get it out stop and whistle and so I I said well is that why he whistled and she said no he didn't actually whistle at the lady he actually had purchased his gum already he walked to the door and he was waiting at the door with one cousin while another cousin was purchasing his candy and the story told to her that uh the young man, that the cousin that he was sending at the door was, what did you purchase? And he was trying to say bubble gum. And she said he found himself about to stutter and he stopped and he whistled and he finally said bubble gum. But he was at the door. He was not actually in front of the young lady that, Mrs. Bryan, I should say. So I thought that was Quite interesting. I just loved her. And and that one fact was really just astonishing to know that he may have whistled, but it wasn't at her.
2: That's amazing because hearing that now for the first time in my life, after hearing these horrid stories about him whistling at this woman, this is a total game changer. And the question is now, Did anyone take any time to understand why he whistled?
3: No, I think it was just an immediate thing that this is a young black boy and he has violated this white woman, which he wasn't even in front of when he whistled. We're gonna have to get justice. It was just a terrible time in our history where a black person couldn't do anything. Mamie Till was telling me that She didn't really want him to go to Mississippi, that he was just excited about going. And, well, my my mother, I want to go. And she says, no, you know, I know how it is in Mississippi. I was born in Mississippi. I really don't want you to go. And she said she talked to him and told him, look, if you're on the sidewalk and A white woman is approaching, step off the sidewalk. She said she had given him all the history. You know, she thought she told him everything in order for him to be safe. And still, he wasn't safe. And he was just a kid. I mean, how can you murder a kid, a 14-year-old, even if he had whistled? So what? He was a child.
2: Right. As I understand the story, he didn't get a chance to defend himself or talk about why it was done. None of that was even an option for him. Am I right?
3: You're right. I was, she told me that they went to her cousin's house in the middle of the night and insisted, got him out of bed Hmm. and punished him, you know, beat him and, and, uh, actually, shot him in, I think she told me, the left eye. But they beat him for hours before they actually killed him. So he suffered. Can you imagine that young man suffering all that time and wondering what in the world is happening to me?
2: And he was at the house of his cousin. Yes. And his aunt. Amazing. This is just amazing. And so Mamie, being the strong woman that she displayed and portrayed in spite of everything. I mean, because it even took strength to allow him to go, even having that understanding in the back of her mind that something was not right, and it wouldn't be right for him. That was strength, which a lot of these women who were not known today We hear of her because of what happened to her son, but the strength of these women back then, knowing what they had to endure, knowing they had to protect their families, knowing all the things they had to do, what else can you tell us about the type of woman that she was?
3: Just think of this. She told me that the funeral home in Mississippi Kind of warned her, says you don't need to open the casket. And when it arrived in Chicago, she said that they also said you don't need to open the casket. Mm -hmm. And so when they opened the casket, she said she just, you know, he was just unrecognizable. And so she said she just had to feel parts of his body and say, yeah, that's that's in it. That's in it. And she made up her mind that the world needed to see the cruelty. Mm-hmm. of a sound what had happened to her son what they did to my baby that was her only child can oh. you imagine mm-hmm. and so she did something that she doesn't get to me People talk about the fact that she opened the casket so the world could see. But when the world saw, that was really the beginning of a movement. Yes. We don't talk about the fact that that was the beginning of a movement, but it was the beginning of a movement to let people see that Black women, Mm -hmm. Black women are just as effective in this movement for civil rights as our counterparts.
2: And this is a fact that the world needs to hear. Thank you for being a part of this dialogue. Share with the PFAM today your thoughts on this latest news regarding the accuser of Emmett.
3: You know, the sad thing is that we all know that they were hiding information, but the sad thing, the really sad thing is that this white woman, was as much a victim as image. She had no power. Yes. Whatever her husband said, whatever the men said, she had to go along with. Right. Because she was afraid not to. Okay. You know, we don't see that part of history. She should have stood up, but she was afraid.
2: She was afraid. But,
3: afraid, but really, you no, know, in our eyes, because it's, it was our image, because he died. Any of our kids could have at that yes. time gone through that. Right. So she should have stood up, but she didn't. And I'm so glad glad, and happy that they found this information. Yes, it will help the family, give the family some relief,
2: I think. Exactly. Again, PFAM, this is a little known fact that has impacted all of our lives in some way or another. Because Emmett and Mamie, his mother, started the movement, very powerful. Now, Ms. Still, if you will, introduce us to Amelia Boynton Robinson.
3: You know, I don't think Amelia Boynton gets enough credit for her achievements in life. For example, in 1934, at the age of 23, she became one of the few registered African-American voters at a time when you had to take literacy tests. And no matter how well you did on the test, you were probably gonna be denied the Mm -hmm. right to vote. But yet she was.
2: How did she get there though? How, How did she manage to do it when so many others couldn't?
3: Look, she was determined. She was a smart woman. She was determined. She was out of Savannah, Georgia. And she says, I've got to make this work. And she did. And I'm so happy that she did because then she went on to teach other Black women how to pass that literacy test. Amelia Boynton was something else long before she made it to Selma, Alabama. She's kind of overshadowed by John Lewis in the Selma to Montgomery march. Everybody talks about the fact that Representative John Lewis was beaten. You know how bad he was beaten. But nobody talks about the fact that Amelia Boynton was beaten worse than he was. She'd been in Selma for a very long time. She was gassed and she was beaten unconscious and left for dead on that bridge. And nobody really talks about that. There was a wire report that went over television showing her lying there with people thinking that she was dead. Even the... uh, People that were recording it, the news people, they thought that she was dead, but she was not. And so she was she was being worse than anyone on the bridge. But nobody really talks about that.
2: Why do you think we we didn't talk about it?
3: I think we were overshadowed. I think we're always overshadowed by what happens with our men. And I think she was just overshadowed by what happened with Representative John Lewis. And not putting down what Representative John Lewis did, but just saying that for some reason, we kind of put women in the, the background.
2: Right. And so that's to this day, it's still a struggle, as I mentioned in the introduction. But let's talk about, if you will, Amelia becoming the first African-American ever to seek a seat in Congress.
3: Yes, she was. While she was in Soma, of course she did not win, but she got about 10% of the vote.
2: <laughs> and this was what year?
3: This was in 1964. Amazing. She the first African-American woman from Alabama to seek a seat in Congress.
2: Wow. Now we hear about our dearly beloved Shirley Chisholm, who went after the presidency, but this is an important milestone as well. Yeah. In Congress. Yeah. So what happened to Amelia in 1965? But what happened when she was there in Selma?
3: She was registering people to vote. She'd been teaching mm-hmm. women how to vote, teaching them mm-hmm. how to take the literacy test, how to pass the literacy test. Uh-huh. And so she was just very active in civil rights. So she was basically a part of the march. She was okay. going to be a part of the march okay. because she was just that determined. And during that march, she was gassed, she was beaten, and left for dead.
2: Wow. After all of this, what was her lasting memories or her legacy? This is a person that you knew. So tell us any more that we... mm -hmm.
3: Actually, I never met Amelia Boynton. I never met her, but... I tell you, I studied her and my husband met Amelia and he actually just talked about her all the time, about her bravery and how she and her husband both worked to make sure that Blacks would get the right to vote and equal treatment in this country.
2: Backing up a little bit, that literacy test, this was something that was designed just for African-Americans. Yes. A literacy test to see if you're competent to vote, which yeah. is our right. We have that right just by being born here in right. this country. But now right. we're set aside to be tested to make sure we can stand right. and pull the lever. Yeah. Or at that time, mark. Make a check by name. <laughs> check off the box. <laughs> amazing. We
3: can't read a name and check off.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. This, this is amazing. But yet again, a very, very important piece of history and a fact that we were not aware of. Most of us have heard of Dorothy Height. Oh, yes. We know her from our sorority. Yes. So give us a brief bio and a little bit of history on Dorothy and how you met her.
3: My husband was a state senator in Alabama Uh and uh, she called. I answered the phone like, Hello, she says, hello. This is Dorothy Hyde. May I speak to Senator Steele? I said, he's not home. She says, Is this my sorority sister? I said, Yes. <laughs> this is me. This is me. I was so excited. Yes. And so after that, I got to travel to DC and went to her office and met her. And we just talked for, oh, we talked for a long time. Just I won't say hours, but it seemed like hours (laughs) because I was so excited to be in her presence. Yes. And just to just kind of chat with her and and learn that, you know, I knew that she was a part of the planning of the March on Washington for freedom and jobs. And so I knew she was a part of that, but I didn't know what a big part of it she was she was really in the midst of planning this. She helped construct the entire March in Washington. She was actually sitting on the podium and she was not allowed to speak. And that just rattled me when she told me that.
2: Through her hard work and and I'm sure part of the conception of it all, she got to sit there as a token. And this is a token of our own people, Yes. but not allowed to speak. Yes. We've come a long way, baby, right? Yes. Yes, yes we have. So are there any stories that you can share with us that she talked about?
3: She talked about Wednesdays in Mississippi, how she was putting her life at stake, going to Mississippi, trying to register women to vote and teaching African-American women and organizing white women in Mississippi to be a part of this. So she was really putting her life at stake. But she says, look, I can't do this uh, by myself. So she organized, you know, white women, Wednesdays in Mississippi. Can you imagine
2: that's huge.
3: Yes. Yes. So she talked about that. As What did she say? Books on the ground, you know?
2: Yes. Uh,
3: you know, she, she said, I had to be on the ground and get things done. She, she said she was taught mm-hmm. that you don't give up.
2: Quitting is never an option.
3: Never an option.
2: Never an option. And as an educator, did you find a lot of this information in the, in history, in our school systems, because a lot of this information is still not known. How do we get this out to our younger people who take freedom for granted? Because it's not something we should ever look at as it just happened, because it didn't.
3: You know, when I was teaching, they barely had any Black history (laughs) in the history books. But my principal came to me and says, look, do you think you can teach African American history? I said, of course, I can. Mm-hmm. So he went to the board a couple of times, and they said, "Oh no, no," they turned it down. Then he came back and he says, "Well, Kathleen, what can we do? We need to teach our kids. It's not in our mm-hmm. books. We need to to teach them about their history. What can we do?" I said, "We'll call it Southern history." <laughs> so we. <laughs> So we called it Southern History and the board passed it.
2: (laughs) There's more than one way to skin a cat, right?
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is phenomenal. And what year was that?
3: Oh, that was in 1996.
2: 96? Mm -hmm. Not until 96. Right, right, right. And under the auspices of something different. Yeah. Southern History. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Tell us. Which president honored Dorothy Height?
3: Actually, there were two of them. Okay. In 1994, she was honored by President Clinton. She was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And then again, she was honored in 2004 by George W. Bush when he gave her the Gold Congressional Medal.
2: Amazing. So that in itself shares and leaves us with the power that she wielded. I mean, just how important the legacy that she has left here for us, how important that is. Did you get any other words of wisdom, any tips from her That would be instrumental in our learning process going forward, just to understand the power of the African-American woman during this movement.
3: To me, the wonderful thing was she taught us that we had to stand firm for what we believed in.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: Sometimes we give up too easily. Yes. And I think a big thing was just to stand firm. Don't let Anyone tell you that you cannot achieve your goal?
2: Yes, that's amazing. We're going to leave on that one. Thank you so much, Mrs. Steele. I am so excited that you took time today to share with our PFAM relatives around the globe about this movement. PFAM, you heard it here on the dialogue where you are always inspired and empowered. Today, you learn quitting is never the option. Allow me to leave you with Romans 2.11. But God does not show favoritism. Thank you again, Mrs. Steele and PFAM. We will see you
1: the next time. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to Dialogue with Dr. D. If you enjoyed the show and would like to connect further with Dr. D., visit drdcarroll.com. And please, please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a review on iTunes. With Dr. D's guidance and support coupled with your belief and commitment, you can succeed in your moving beyond journey. Join the Dialogue today and tap into the new, empowered you. Best wishes for peace, love, and continued blessings. And we'll see you here next time on Dialogue with Dr. D. Remember... Transformation and reinvention is yours.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award winning business is this, you can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done, I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. Go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.